Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hi guys, and welcome back to the show. We are super excited to be welcoming you back for another episode. Today, we're going to be talking all about the idea that love is giving and the emotional bank account. We're going to set up an analogy about an emotional bank account and how you can use it to become closer to your partner, to understand them more, and to feel safer and more secure around them. So let's begin. To recap on where we ended in the last episode, we talked about stages of a relationship, and then we talked about the five love languages and how those things, the love languages, can help you understand your partner more and know them more. Because we suggested that love is knowing. You can only love yourself as much as you know yourself, and you can only love your partner as much as you know your partner. We talked about the idea of not feeling understood or not feeling valued from your partner, and maybe you're not feeling valued because you're just not speaking the same language. You're trying really hard to value your partner in Japanese, but they speak Spanish or French, and the message just isn't getting through. So many people expect that their partner will show them love the way they want to be showed love, but your partner probably doesn't know how you want to be showed love. You got to talk to them about it. The same thing with them. You may think you know how they want to be loved, but you have to talk to them about that too. Because partners almost always don't have the same love language, an idea introduced to us first by Gary Chapman in his awesome book, The Five Love Languages, which I highly recommend you read if you're interested in learning more about this topic. We also, quickly, quickly to recap, suggested that couples are generally really insecure about their ability to be lovable. So when you bring it up to your partner that something, you think something could be better, it's so important that you phrase it in a way that doesn't suggest that your partner is fundamentally a bad lover. It's more like, I'm satisfied where we are now, and I think we're doing a great job, but I'd love to introduce something new to see if maybe we could do this better, okay? Lots more about that in our past episodes if you're interested in learning more. So in this episode, I want to talk about the idea of love being giving. So we established that 
It's so important to get the gas in the tank. You pay for 300 liters that you pump and only 50 liters are getting in and you get super frustrated that you paid for so much and only 50 is getting in and you get mad. You can't kick the car, okay? You're not going to win with the fight against a car. How do you get the gas in the tank? So that we, we discussed. Now, the next step is you're able to get the gas in the tank and the car is running, but how do you keep going when you feel distant from your partner? You feel like something isn't working out. You feel like maybe you guys are trying and it's good, but it's not as good as it was before and you're missing something and you're using the tips to get the gas in the tank, but you feel like you can't keep the tank full. So instead of spilling a lot of gas on the floor, after learning from the other episodes, you're able to get more of your gas in, but you're having a hard time filling the tank. It's that you're not pumping enough to keep the gas full. So. What we mean here, we're talking about the idea that some couples, after being together for a while, they start to get used to each other or they start to feel like they're very familiar with each other and it's not so exciting anymore. And we want to talk about some other ways to become closer. So in the last episode, again, we those, those love languages are things that you can do to show your partner love and become closer. But we want to talk about something else here, which is the idea of giving. Now, not only giving gifts, but also just giving effort and giving time to build up this emotional bank account and, and what it has to do with your life. So let's begin. Imagine that there's a bank account, okay? A bank account between you and your partner, and it's kind of like your love bank account, or your like feeling and closeness bank account. Now, the more that this account is full, the more of the balance, the more of love and feeling that you have for each other, the better you feel together, really. It's like the closer you are and the more satisfied you are in your relationship. So if you do the love languages, you're going to get a lot of money into this account. Okay, and, and when you start your relationship, you have a lot in this account. But over time, you're going to be spending, and the balance is going to get low, and you're not going to know what to do. So what are we talking about here? What adds money to the account? So for our analogy, I want you to think that every time you do something for your partner, like you're giving them your time, you're giving them something that's a value to them, you're adding to the account. And it's also more than that. It's every time that you share an emotional experience with them, that you connect emotionally with them, it's, it's giving something that's making you guys closer. It's adding to this account, this emotional bank account. Now, a lot of people recommend that you have an emergency fund, if you can, like, you know, you have, let's say, a fund that will pay for three months of expenses. So if you ever lose your job or, or something, you know, you don't 
just have to go straight to the streets, you have a bit of an, an expense safety net. And we want to do that the same thing with our love bank account. Now, where did we first get this idea? It was first introduced to me by John Gottman in The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And he talks about adding value to the account is leaning in. That's the term that they use in the book, leaning in to your relationship. So what do they mean by this when they say leaning in? Leaning in is any time that you have an opportunity to connect emotionally and you take that opportunity to connect instead of to disengage. So I'll give you an example. You're reading something interesting on your phone. I don't know, let's say like an interesting news article. And you turn to your partner and you say, wow, did you, did you hear about this? I was reading it and I found it so interesting. Or I don't like this. Or... Something like that when you're when you're sharing a moment with your partner. So that would be leaning in. And you can take it further if you share how you feel about something. So like this is a really great example. You come home from work and your partner says, tell me about your day. And you tell them something and you use the word feel. I feel. So you could say something like where I felt. My day was really good. Um, I felt really um good after this meeting that we had with a client and it went well and I felt like I contributed. Or my day was not so good. Um, You know, I I felt kind of left out because this other person got a raise and I didn't get a raise. And I'm kind of bummed because I think that I deserve it. I feel like I deserve it. So that's another example of leaning in. It's, It's providing an opportunity for your partner to connect with you on an emotional level. Now, anytime that you do this, you're adding to the account, any shared emotional experience you're adding to this bank account. Now, what are some more examples of times when we don't lean in? So let's say, for example, you had a bad day at work and you really just don't feel like talking about it in the moment with your partner because maybe you need to calm down first. That's okay. It's okay to calm down. And you can calm down even better if you invite your partner to help you calm down sometimes too. That's what Sue Johnson talks about so much in in Hold Me Tight. She says that not only can your partner help you calm down by holding you, but also by talking to you. I'm, I'm sure that we've all had an experience in our life when we felt really overwhelmed by something. And then we called a good friend and we spoke to our friend about it. And then we felt better there's the expression, you know, taking the load off your shoulders. And, and that's really what it is, sharing and then feeling okay. And we can take this a step further. There's another interesting idea on this topic of sharing with your partner. And that comes from Benet Brown in her book, Dare to Lead. Um, Benet Brown is a researcher on shame and vulnerability. And she has a lot of really, really interesting insights too, which we'll talk about on the show more so in in later episodes. Um, But she basically says that shame thrives when it's held alone. For example, if you feel shame, shame being that you're not good enough, whereas guilt feeling that you did something that you're not, that, that isn't good, but that you're fundamentally good, that's the difference. Guilt is when it's on the action. Shame is when you feel like it comes from you. Like, I am bad is shame. 
I did something bad is guilt. We're going to talk about this distinction more. But she basically says that when you don't talk to someone else about how you feel, shame often thrives. Shame thrives in loneliness because people are so much harder on themselves often than they are to other people. Uh, For example, you do something wrong and you tell yourself, like, I'm so stupid. But you wouldn't tell someone else that they're so stupid. You tell them something like, I understand, you know, we're tired. You're tired. It's, it's, you know, it's been a rough day. But the thing is, like, you need that other voice from someone else who's going to balance that really harsh voice that you have in, inside of you. Like, you're the biggest critic of yourself often. So sometimes it takes someone else, like a partner, um, who can give you a more loving perspective to help you feel better. Okay, so... You just discussed the benefits of talking to your partner, okay, about how you feel. Also, like, and we we spoke mostly for for negative situations, but for positive situations too. I mean, like, if you feel good about something, you want to share it. And I hope that your partner will want to share it with you. But everything we're talking about here so far, these are all examples of leaning in. I hope that you can think of more. I want you to think of some examples of leaning in to your relationship in your life. Pause the podcast right here and just think, when was the last time you leaned in with your partner? You engaged emotionally when you had the opportunity to. Okay, welcome back if you paused. So all of these moments, what they're doing is they're adding to the bank account. Now, the more that you have in your bank account when times are good, the more you can pull from the bank account when times are bad. So what do we mean by this? If when things are good, when you're happy with your partner and you know you're comfortable, you feel like you want to share lots of things with your partner, that's really good. You're building. You're building experiences and memories of you guys communicating together. You're, you're strengthening your communication muscle. And we're going to call it a muscle because we believe that the more you practice communicating with somebody, the better at communication you can get. You can strengthen that muscle, okay, with training. And then when times are hard and you don't feel like you can, like you want to come to your partner, maybe you feel overwhelmed or something, your partner has so many memories of you coming to them and feeling so safe with you that it's okay that you're not coming to them in that moment. It's not going to feel like the end of the world. It's going to feel like, oh, you know, usually they come to me and I feel very close to them otherwise. So, you know, I'm not going to see this as like a very big deal in our relationship. Whereas the opposite would be like, if you never come to your partner, they have so little that they can connect to you with, that they can relate to you on. And then if you don't come to them, less, you know, they're going to think, oh my God, like something is really, really wrong if if they're not coming to me. You know, they already weren't coming to me so much and now they're coming to me even less. That could lead to a really big fight. And that's going to make it even worse because if you're already overwhelmed and then your partner makes you feel even more overwhelmed, then that's going to end badly. That might lead to a big fight, okay, which is going to lead to even more disconnection. So the idea here is when you feel more comfortable coming to your partner, when times are good, come to them, share with them. You don't have to share, like, you don't have to be annoying and share absolutely everything, but just 
invite your partner to enjoy emotions with you, to experience things with you. A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I have to work so much. I don't have time to be with my partner. But, but you can still engage with your partner. Even if you make five minutes to call your partner in lunch, at lunchtime, and just tell them how you feel, that's a big deal. That's a big start in establishing closeness. And every time you do this, you're adding, 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 adding to your bank account, also to your safety fund, okay, for when times are bad. So many couples wait until times are bad to start thinking, oh my goodness, I really have to work to make things better. But you can start working to make things better when times are good so that those bad times will be easier. You'll have more resources in your account to pull from. Okay, so I hope by this far you understand the idea of leaning in to your relationship and you can think of examples of when you leaned into your relationship with your partner and um, that in those times you, you imagine that you're building up this bank account and the safety net and that you will continue to do it, to build it up even more. Now, what happens when this bank account is low? Okay, so... When the bank account is really low, there's very little holding you guys together. And it's going to be much more easy, much easier to fight with your partner and to feel the need to not engage with your partner at all. And this is what John Gottman in his book describes as one of the biggest reasons of divorce. Couples divorce when they just don't lean in so much. They don't share so much with their partner often this is the case, and then they just stop coming to their partner altogether. And then after a while, they wonder, you know, why am I here? What am I even doing here? Like, we don't even have anything. So why am I here? And then it just, it seems like a natural extension to just end the relationship because it's like, you know, we don't have anything going for us anyway. Okay. But it doesn't have to be that way. Now, you see, the less that you lean in, the harder it's going to be at the beginning to start leaning in because of inertia. There's a concept in, in physics, one of Newton's laws, that objects stay in motion or stay at rest until another force changes that. Okay? So if you're not moving, it's going to take a lot of push, a lot of force to start moving. But once you're already moving... It's like you're already moving anyway, so it's not going to take that much effort to keep moving. Just like you're sitting down. If you're sitting, it doesn't take that much more effort to keep sitting. It's like, you know, the easiest thing to do. And it's hard to stand up. But once you stand up, it's like, you know, like I'm already up. You know? That's the thing. You want to overcome this, this inertia. And you want to build it. Okay? I want you to imagine like a big flywheel. Okay? Like, like a big wheel that's like very heavy. And you push, push, push uh, to, to make it move, to turn it. Okay, like imagine like a big, big wheel, like with a stone or something that's really heavy. Okay? The first pushes to get the wheel moving are like the hardest in the entire process. Because you're pushing, you're really pushing, like as hard as you can. And the wheel is barely turning and you're thinking, why am I even doing this? You know, I'm not getting any results. Okay, but you have to overcome that initial friction to keep... To, to, to start the wheel moving. That's really hard, okay? The beginning. But then, 
the more you push, you know, you keep pushing a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, and then the wheel starts turning. Now, once the wheel's moving, it keeps moving. Like, you still have to push it a bit, but, like, it, it's easier to see the result after you start. Okay? And that's the same thing with everything. Like, with starting even this podcast, it's easier to see results, you know, after a long time. Most, most content on the internet doesn't get barely any views at all or any any major shifts until something happens, you know, gets the ball rolling and then it starts growing and growing like a snowball. But you got to keep going at the beginning for anything, guys, for anything if you want to see results. For example, like starting a YouTube channel, many YouTube channels don't grow at all. Like, I mean, they grow, but not in, they don't get a lot of views or, or get um, the ability to become to start collecting ad revenue to pay back their expenses for like the first year maybe. And it's the same with companies too. They're not profitable for the first year or even more. But you got to keep going, okay? That's the thing, got to keep going, okay? And then you'll start seeing the results. Now, it's the same thing with your partner. It's going to take a big effort at the beginning to start leaning in more. It's going to feel maybe a little bit unnatural or a little bit strange, like... When my partner asks me how my day at work is, I usually just say, good, and leave it at that. But it's going to take, you know, at the beginning, it's going to be, like, a bit weird to actually say, like, you know, it was it was okay. Um, to be honest, I felt a little bit left out when the other colleagues went to, um, I found out that they met after work the other day, and I thought I was part of their team, you know, but I didn't get the invite, and Honestly, I felt kind of bummed about it. Like, it's going to be hard to say that at first. It might even feel weird, especially if you come from a culture or a family where people didn't used to share feelings together. Or, this is another big one, when you didn't used to have meals together. Mealtime is super common for so many people to share experiences with each other during the day. But if you have your meal with your phone, um, and you're both looking at your phones or something, and you're both watching TV, it's, it's really hard to open to open that up. But once you do... It might be weird for your partner too at the beginning, but once you get used to it, it's gonna you're gonna start to feel much closer to each other as you lean in. Now, this is the big the big problem here because when the emotional bank account is low, it's hard to give in at the beginning. You think like you when like when you're not so close to your partner, you think well I'm not close already, so it doesn't matter if I go out late with my friends one more night, or I'm not close. You know, I barely call them during, you know, during the day. So why should I call them at all kind of thing? But that's really toxic because it's like saying, it's like saying, oh, well, things are already bad. How much worse can they get? This is the wrong mindset. You know, if companies who were losing money said, well, we're already losing money, you know, so what? They're probably going to go bankrupt, you know, but it's those companies that say, Okay, what can we do about it to make it better, to get better? And what I want you to understand is I, I really believe that, and, and we believe behind the show, that people already know a lot of the skills they need to succeed in their relationships, but they know them in a different light. Like, they know them in terms of if you ask them, like, if a company was doing badly, you know, they were losing money, what should they do? They would say, oh my gosh, they have to change their perspective and, you know, make a plan and work on it. If they don't work on it, it's not going to get better. 
But in people's relationships, you ask them and they kind of freeze. It's like, like uh, a deer in headlights. Look, like, I don't know. Why are you asking me? But if you ask them in terms of a company, suddenly they know the answer. And I think that it comes from a sense of shame, from a feeling of not being good enough. It's this idea that, well, I don't know if I'm lovable, so you shouldn't ask me this question because I don't know. Like, this is not my domain to speak to. I'm really bad at this. People feel like if you feel that you're really bad at something, you're not going to give, you're not going to, you know, to try to, to contribute to, to answering a question related to it. You're going to say, I don't know, I'm bad at it. But this is the wrong mindset because when you think that you're bad at it and you just leave it at that, I mean, like, what's the motivation to succeed? There, there isn't. You have to think, okay, maybe I can learn. And that's awesome. You know, suddenly that opens the doors to so much new learning that you can do. So this is the big thing here, guys. Think of it like a bank account, because when your bank account goes low, your actual, like, money account, you're going to say, wow, I need to work. I need to work to make it better. Maybe I'm going to do a course online, you know, to give me more employable skills and try to see if I can get a promotion at work. When it comes to money, you know, people put a lot of value on money. They know what to do. But I hope that you can put the same value on your relationship because it's such a big investment. There are so many benefits to feeling safe and comfortable with someone else. On our life expectancy, on the strength of our immune system, and on our overall health and overall happiness. It's really satisfying to to be in a comfortable relationship. And I think a lot of us miss this feeling or crave this feeling so much for so long that maybe we feel like we don't deserve it. But I'm telling you here on the show that that is possible and that is something you can strive to through learning and through practice and trying and just showing up. The power of showing up and trying is so important. Okay? Now, the next thing I want to talk about, we mentioned at the beginning, the idea that love is giving. Now, this comes from Laura Schlesinger in her book, 10 Stupid Things Couples Do to Mess Up Their Relationships. It's a really, really interesting book and uh, a, a short read, but a, oh my goodness, read like, wow, you read this and you go, wow. <laughs> okay, that's how, that's how I felt when I read it for the first time. Now, what she says is, love is giving, okay? The more you give to something, the more you end up valuing it. Because to give to something means that you have to feel like it's worth giving to. So, the more you give, the more you end up enjoying it because you have to justify subconsciously that you're giving so much to something, okay? So, like, if you, if you really try hard and give a lot to something, your mind can think two things. It can think, wow, this is really important that I'm giving. It's good that I'm giving. Or it can think, wow, this, this you know, why am I giving so much? This is not important. But if you keep giving to it, your mind will subconsciously believe that it's worthwhile because you're trying. So you see this often in the case of hobbies, okay? Like like sports, for example. At the beginning, people may not may really not enjoy tennis. 
because they don't, I'm just using this as an example here, because they think, I don't know, I'm not good at it, it's challenging, I don't like it. But you can learn to love playing tennis if you just keep playing, or like golf, or swimming, or running, or other sports, usually at the beginning, you're feeling like, you know, running, like, oh, I don't enjoy this, it's so, it's so hard, you know, it's hard on my body, but then you keep doing it, and then suddenly you like it, because you're trying hard, so your body justifies, okay, if I'm trying so hard, then it, it must be worthwhile, okay, because you, you think of yourself as a person who does worthwhile things, like, it's convenient to think this way, so what it means is, if you, if you do something often, and you keep doing it, eventually something will click and and you'll start you might start enjoying it more that's that's the idea here okay and and it's the same thing with things like like school topics like maths or like languages sometimes at the beginning people really don't like a new language like for example in and I can speak to Canada where we have to learn French as a second language and at the beginning a lot of people don't enjoy it but then they learn to love it through through experiencing it, okay? And it's two things. It's not just the subconscious justification of I'm trying so hard, so it must be worthwhile. It's also like the more you try, the more you uncover, the more beautiful and interesting it becomes, okay? It's like running. Soon, you know, at the beginning, it's kind of hard, but soon you start feeling really good because of the endorphins and the other benefits that it has on your body. And then you end up thinking and believing and feeling that it's worthwhile. Now, this is also the case for our relationships. The more that we give in to our partner, the more that we try and we lean in, the more we'll uncover about our partner and the better that we'll feel being close to our partner. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to, a sense of closeness is going to grow. There are going to be some roadblocks along the way that might be related to soft spots, which we're going to explore more in the next episode. Soft spots, uh, we mentioned them briefly on the show already, but there are things that take us from zero to a hundred on the emotional level really quickly related to insecurities. But remember, we talked, we brought this up already in earlier episodes. It's so important though, if you feel really overwhelmed or you see that your partner is overwhelmed, you have to rescue first. By rescue, we mean do something to try calm down and to try help your partner calm down. First, calm down. Okay, first help your partner calm down by offering to hold them, for example, or going for a walk or giving them some space. And then talk about it because you're not going to be able to have this, this kind of conversation if, if you're overwhelmed and you can't think straight, okay? Now, a lot of what we see in, in relationships has a lot of giving already. For example, like, why do we give wedding rings? Okay, because it's you know, expensive wedding rings too and engagement rings and it's, it's giving. When we give to something, we, we just feel feel closer to it. You have to give to, to feel like it matters. Now it can go both ways, right? Like if you feel like something matters, you, you, you give to it. But what Laura Schlesinger 
says in your book is it goes the other way too. If you give to it, then you'll start to feel also like it matters. Now, the other thing is giving makes you feel good. Like it, it, it feels really good to be close to your partner. Like a lot of people feel good when they give their partner flowers and their partner feels good when they get flowers. So it's like, it's a win-win situation because the more you give to them, the better you feel in the relationship, the closer you feel, and the better they feel because you're giving. And remember the love languages. You want to give in the way that your partner wants to receive, like your whatever you're giving them. Okay, so like, like if your partner likes quality time, give by creating quality time moments with your partner. If your partner likes physical touch, give by creating opportunities to have more physical touch with your partner. Like guarding time in your day, like 20 minutes every evening or every morning, if they like physical touch, where you can just hold each other. You have to guard your time. You have to set up time because everything is eating at your time, which is kind of strange because we have more things today than ever before that are designed to make our life simpler. For example, like the microwave, which made warming up food way faster, the dishwasher, which made cleaning dishes way faster than before there was a dishwasher. Also things like the laundry machine. Imagine what life was like before you had a laundry machine. On the one hand, things are simpler in a sense than they've ever been before. It's just easier to clean up now that we have paper towel and, and you know, Lysol spray. Um, and easier to maintain the house now that vacuum cleaners were invented. You know, people had to sweep everything before, okay? But at the same time, we feel like we have less time. So what I'm saying is, it's not necessarily going to be technological innovations that create time for you. You have to create your own time by guarding your time to give and to share with your partner. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you found it insightful and meaningful. We talked about the idea of an emotional bank account and what that looks like. So that's whenever you lean into your relationship, when you share something with your partner on an emotional level. And we talked about the importance of giving, how when you give, such as by leaning in, that's giving, like giving time to your partner, you're going to feel closer to them and better. Giving is a win, 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 win. Because the more you give, the stronger you feel towards what you're giving for. And the better the person receiving the gift often feels towards you. Now, remember also, we talked about inertia. When the bank account balance is low, you're not going to feel like you want to give. You're going to think, well, we're not close anyway, so what's the point? But no, 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 guys, think about it like you would think about a real bank account or a business, okay? You're going to think, what can I do to make this better? And remember our flywheel analogy. It's really hard at the beginning to get the flywheel moving, okay? If you have a low bank account and you've had one for a while, it's going to be hard at the beginning to get it moving, okay? But once you get it moving... That's the hardest part. You're going to see that it's moving and you're going to want to push it even more. And once it's moving already, it's going to be much easier to keep pushing. You just have to take the first step. It might sound scary. It might sound a little bit hard, 
but it's doable. It's been done by many couples in the past. And I'm sure that you've already done something like this in your own life. Let's think, for example, if there was ever an assignment that you really didn't want to do and it was hard to do at the beginning, but then you started doing it and then you got better at it. And then once you started it, it actually started to become interesting or, you know, you actually started to get curious about it. The hardest thing, guys, is often starting. One final, final thing before we wrap up. Some of you are going to ask, how do I know how high my emotional bank account is with my partner? That's a really good question. How do you know? The answer to this that we're going to propose is you ask your partner. So there, there are different ways to do this. Gary Chapman in the five love languages asks, he says that you ask your partner, how's your love tank? You can say, honey, how's your love tank? And they can answer you between one and 10. Or they can just say full. They can say so full that it's exploding. Okay, wow. Like, oh my goodness. Okay, it's really full. Or they can say, it's feeling like a six out of 10. Or it's feeling kind of low. And then they ask you, how's your love tank? Guys, this is a great, great way to catch things before they blow up and to make it easy to communicate. Set the expectations that it's okay sometimes to be dissatisfied. Guys, we're human. Humans are dissatisfied sometimes. It is okay to be dissatisfied. A lot of us are trying to be perfectionists. We think that we have to be perfect all the time, but guys, we're not. Okay, no one's always perfect. Everyone makes mistakes. The authors of all these books and our whole team here has also made many mistakes before. But the big difference and the big thing is that you have to be okay and accept that mistakes happen. It's one thing to pretend that you're perfect and mess up, okay, because you can't always be perfect and ignore it and don't listen to your partner on ways you can get better and getting offended and mad if they ever suggest a way that you can get better, okay, is another thing to accept that they are things we can do to improve always, no matter what, and to see it as a sign of love. If your partner recommends something in a nice and respectful way to to feel better. For example, maybe they say, I, to me, physical touch is really important and I'd really enjoy it if we could do more of that. Okay. You can come up with a way that it's comfortable for both of you. And if you're not comfortable with it, that's okay. We can, you can explore ways to, to make it work. Okay. And you can seek professional help too. That's always, always an option and always something we recommend when it's available. And just remember always, we brought this up already, just that people are generally insecure about their ability to be good lovers. So it's so important that when you have this discussion, the expectations, the standards are set. The standard like, you are good, you're a good lover, don't worry, you know, I'm always, I'm going to be here, it's okay. These are just things we can do better. Your partner might be very, very, very insecure about you suggesting ways that they can be better, but come from a place of love and respect. You start small, okay? And, and test it out, see how it works for you. The hardest thing is to get started and keep on going until you guys can ask each other, how's my love tank? 
and you guys can both report that your left tank is doing full. And remember that if your left tank is full one day, it may not be full later or the next day or the day after that. That's why in our stages of our relationship, our final stage is maintenance. Because even the nicest cars, guys, need maintenance. Cars, people change, okay? Car parts need changing too sometimes. You just have to ask, how's my left, how's your left tank doing, okay? You need to ask so you can communicate that first. We're going to come back to this also when we talk about conflict resolution a little bit more. If you can catch something at the stage when the left tank is low, that is so, so important. It can stop a fight from happening early because you catch it before it blows up. Left tanks go down slowly. Usually fights happen when things are bottled up for a week or two weeks or even more. But creating an open and safe space where you can honestly, honestly discuss how you feel is so, so helpful to vent, to get it out before it blows up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found it meaningful. And we're so excited to catch you in the next one where we talk about soft spots. After soft spots, we're going to get into limits. What are limits? How can you apply them to your work, your life, and your relationship before moving further on to ideas of teamwork, to ideas on communication, conflict resolution, and more. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, you can always catch more on our website, learnlove.ca. It's full of tons of tips you can apply to your life, to your relationship. We have an in-depth blog there on learnlove.ca slash blog where we investigate these ideas further. We have infographics there tons of content. We're working on some videos to launch soon for you and an email list for weekly newsletter tips sent straight to your inbox. Let us know what you thought about this episode at contact at learnlove.ca. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you want to see something specific on the show, let us know. Contact at learnlove.ca. We'd love to hear from you. And we're super excited to welcome you back in the next episode. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.